Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Hands of the Silver Screen podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jumbi. I am joined by... Rip. Hello, everybody. Today we are covering what's probably our first movie. Probably. Yeah. Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, which by the name of this movie sounds like it's a TV series, but it's not. It's a movie. And apparently a really popular book series. Yes. This was made in 2019. It was produced by Guillermo del Toro or written by? Uh, produced. The story, produced yes. by Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. Story by Guillermo del Toro. Produced by Guillermo del Toro. Based on Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark by Alvin Schwartz. Story was also by Patrick Melton, Marcus Dunstan, and directed yes. by, I'm going to butcher his last name, so Andre is his name. Yep, Mr. Andre, the director. Yeah. Uh, it was I can't. I'm sorry. made in 2019. Yeah, I know. It's fine. Nobody's. <laughs> I'm not going to try it. It was made in 2019. It's considered a horror film, obviously. That's why we're covering it. I loved it. I thought it was a great movie. I really want a sequel, but because it was made in 2019, I don't know about that because a lot of movies have gotten pushed back since 2020. Yes. So who knows if we're going to see a sequel? Yes, it was announced that there was a sequel. Um, they said it was started filming in April 2020, but if I doubt uh, it, <laughs> I feel like they started and. They literally like, okay, that's the intro. All right. Oh, okay. We got to shut down. And they probably lost anything they shot because the reshoots would be like kids who are like at least three years older. <laughs> <laughs> was it, uh... So, yeah, we'll see if we ever get that sequel. If we do, hopefully, I'll, I'll, I'll be there to support because I'm mm-hmm. sure they lost money on that reshoot. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that there's a reshoot, like Jump, you pointed out. I hope there is. I, I want to see more of this story. And given how the movie ends, it leaves you with a big cliffhanger. We're assuming you saw the movie. Otherwise, you should probably just go see that movie. It was really good. It was worth a watch. Cool. On a scale of, like, don't watch it and you should watch it, what would you give it? Watch it. Especially yeah. if you... Look, I watched this movie having read Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. More Scary Stories to Tell, uh, to tell in the Dark. And Scary Stories 3, tell this to your dark. <laughs> it's not the name of it. More I believed st- you. I was like, oh my God, they got lazy. <laughs> Scary Stories 3, more tales to chill your bones. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I read all three of those books as a child, again in middle school, and I wikied it later on in my college years because I just had the urge to do it. Yeah, that's right. I'm older than a college mm-hmm. year person. I said it. Yeah. He speaks uh, for himself. <laughs> Jumbie does not age. That's why we nope. call him Jumbie. Mm-hmm. I am eternal. <laughs> but uh, I want to read them now. I'm just. I feel like I've. I recommend. I feel like I've missed that boat. Really? Yeah, yeah. it still holds up. The, they're fun stories, and they were written for sleepovers. Um, really? You don't see it a lot in the second and third books, but the first book had a section where. 
at the end of the story, you either scream out, ah, or you grab somebody and shake them to like freak them out. Like these are all stories to tell in the dark. (laughs) So, which I thought was cool. And was it? Like, well, we're going to have a different perspective because like, I have nothing to compare it to. So I thought the movie was good. Yeah. Um, do you think the monsters they showed paled in comparison to the book? I would say the illustrations are just creepy from the book. And mm-hmm. CGI can't do it justice. Uh, they did mm. the, the pale lady. It was pretty good. Yeah. She did creep me out, especially like in the distance when the lights turn red and uh Chuck was just sitting standing there and you just see this yeah. woman just walk close <laughs> just closer and closer slowly smiling that was the worst part she smiled at him uh Harold Harold was pretty close to what I imagined Harold to be and I don't probably was I couldn't tell the CGI from watching it hmm. so Harold was the the scarecrow. dismemberment man, right? Oh, no. it was Harold the scarecrow. Yeah, there. the jangly man. They didn't have any source material to go by in terms of uh, how it looked. It was just but he was uh, cool. Yeah, he he seemed cool. Uh, just I just like that he can get out of anything. He's <laughs> just like, oh, well, I'll just take off my arm. What are you gonna yeah. do? And um, just, yeah, that's it, right? Everything else was just like your typical. Cerebellos was haunting everything. Right? She's a ghost. Mm-hmm. So we the saw spiders. Her. I mean, we got the spiders. <coughs> that is true. And I didn't see the trailer beforehand, but I saw it later. That was a big trailer moment. I mean, they kept showing that spider scene and her body horror pimple thing. Yeah. See, that was the way that, that played out was very well done. And that was something I was looking excited for. As soon as Ruth is like, oh, I have a They're like, oh, you have a zit. And she's like, no, it's not a zit. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> it's coming. We're going to jump around a bunch. But, like, let's see. Like, the main cast members are these kids. We got Stella, Ramon, Augie, Chuck, Ruth, who's, like, Chuck's sister. And then... Tommy's I suppose the, the bully. Yeah, Tommy. Tommy. Uh... Police officer, kind of. In the movie, he seemed like, yeah, like he was there as much as um, Stella's dad was there. Like, oh uh, man, Hank, Hank, Hank from they could have Breaking Bad. They could have utilized him more, man. They made him a nice guy. I kept expecting him to flip out and yell and be like, "Damn it, Marine! Like they're minerals or whatever." (laughs) Nah, but he he played the the concerned dad very well. You know, somebody who lost their, well, and I have a theory on this, but their mother left without a rhyme or reason or warning, and they don't know where she is. Bullies made fun of Stella about it, but you could tell uh, Stella's dad, Roy, played by Dean Norris, or Hank from Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. Um, Same Hank. <laughs> yeah, he. you could tell he played that, that dad that didn't want to show that he was hurting in front of his daughter, but mm-hmm. still the concerned parent. He's like, hey, people are going missing, and you came late later than usual. Please try not to do that. 
he was are you trying to insinuate that his mom like what what are you trying to insinuate about the mom i think i think she's a bellows because yeah i think something happened or if not a bellows somebody messed with the book prior somebody messed with sarah bellows prior and made the mom disappear something but i think i think at the end of the second movie when they bring everybody back because that's what their goal is to bring everybody back they're gonna find out the mom was there too my original idea when i saw the ending of this movie was like the next movie yes just what you said they'll bring everybody back chuck and augie won't even know that they were gone Mm -hmm. for very long they'll just be back yeah but they can't do that anymore (laughs) because it'd be ridiculous for them to come back and be be three years older and not notice time went by yeah unless they just happen not to age but that's kind of a tender age that they're in i feel like they're 20 or something like that like they're gonna age a lot in the next couple years nah they're they're all in their 20s like Stella's played by Zoe is Coletti and Augie looked like a grown man to me. Augie Chuck is 26. Austin there, is such All right, a well, Chuck Chuck ain't gonna come on. And be 35 by the time they film. Apparently uh are your boy Chuck which is uh Austin Zajur He's is dating, dating the daughter. Kevin Smith's daughter. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I milked the fuck out of that, and he just like, yeah, fuck you, <laughs> fuck you, Rip. We'll find out. Myself. I knew it already. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Harley Quinn Smith. So yeah, if we need more producers, there you go. I have a source. <laughs> it was super, super good. So except for like, I wanted. To, okay, so Stella, how do you feel about Stella? Because uh, I don't want to hop around I'm trying to have some semblance of order. How do you feel about Stella? <laughs> okay, so we went from from uh, Roy to Stella. Stella, the main character of this. Uh, mm-hmm. See, and we talk about this in our Are You Afraid of the Dark episodes, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of hauntings, a lot of um, scariness, spookiness happens because somebody messed with something they shouldn't have, right? That seems to be the common trope. You could just walk away from the situation. You don't have to push any further. Nothing will happen. She went to the haunted house willingly just to impress and get into the... uh, Impress Ramon and get into the spirit of Halloween. Right? Cool. But she did not have to say Sarah Bellows told me a story. She didn't have to. She did it. So... the Very frustrating, but... (laughs) It's also, you know, the thing that makes the movie happen. So you need it to happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you always wish it could be written better. One that comes to mind that frustrates me is Hocus Pocus. Mm-hmm. Um, that movie obviously has a bunch of witches in it. And they can't come back to life unless someone lights the black flame candle. And everyone knows that story in the town. And the new kid comes to town and he gets told the story. And what does he do? <laughs> he lights the stupid candle. That's clearly not meant to be light lit, and no one's done it ever. Yet he thinks, "Yeah, I'll just do it." Yeah, I hate it. Obviously, you don't do it. I don't care if you don't believe it. Don't do it. And it's like the the house had a lock, 
they broke in. They find a secret entrance to the basement, and they figured out it was Cerebellus' room, but they didn't have to go in. But overall, it turned out to be a good thing, even though it cost some lives. Allegedly, yeah, small price to pay. You know, they they learned about Cerebellus' um, life. She was being tortured, and Zoe was the good per- like was a good character to figure all that out. We at least Sorry, lost Zoe, Stella. Zoe played Stella to a T. Loved yeah. the acting. Yeah. No, she was great. I loved all the actors. Really, I yeah. was a big fan of them. Um, I even like Augie, but I'm like very frustrated with him. But I'm gonna talk about that in a minute. <laughs> um, the I... only confirmed kill kill is like the police officer to me. He got his neck broken. Like everyone else could have lived. Yeah. And- I don't really know what happened to them. Chuck and Augie could be around. It doesn't seem very fair since the police officer wasn't even a part of this and he just got his neck broken. But yeah. And I felt like they tried to give him a racist vibe, but he kind of was. He just had like- one, but it was like a misdirect. Yeah. Because he just really hates draft dodgers. Yeah. Which is funny. Like, yeah. <laughs> It's like, why aren't you at the war, bro? Why are you here? <laughs> um, so yeah, Stella was was the perfect choice to to solve this mystery. She awoke in the beast, but she also bargained with Cerebellos to put all her anger to rest. The one line I hated was the we didn't read the book. The book is reading us. So, and I get it. This movie is like PG thirteen, mm-hmm. so you know, not really designed, but I just sometimes cheesy lines like that can get me. What a twist! <laughs> cool thing about I, this movie, yeah. though, is that because of how the stories are written in the book, I read that they wanted Guillermo del Toro to kind of do an anthology for this, right, for the movie. But he went the different route to, no, we'll have one plot, and that plot will divide into the different stories from the book. So the way he approached it to me was very creative. I, I liked it. Like instead of seeing like, your your favorite stories on screen, like one after the other, he kind of just mm-hmm. put it all to one narrative. Yeah, they all relate, and because Sarah and it fits. Yeah, it fits perfectly because she's just making their worst fears come to life. Yeah. And who's to say their worst fears aren't each and every one of those stories? I mean, everyone can have their own personal nightmare. Yeah. That was good. If, if you were to describe this movie to somebody, they have like 60 seconds before they can buy a movie <laughs> ticket. And this is one of the options. How would you describe this movie? Like, How what's the plot? Run it through. The plot? Easy. Yeah, whole uh, plot. A girl and her friends. And a stranger break into a haunted house, read a read a person's uh, read a dead person's book that they're writing, and all the stories come to life and try to kill them. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> if that sounds of interest to you, you should watch this movie. Yeah. That, yeah. We failed to mention it's in a period piece. It's set in the '60s. Nixon's <laughs> president, true. Vietnam War. I Wars. completely forgot about that. <laughs> like. I could, if you told me, it's like, oh, what, 
what cell what phone plan? Do? Yeah, like what cell phone plan did Zoe use? I probably like oh Sprint, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I keep calling her Zoe Stella, bro, Stella. Nothing about them really screamed kids of the sixties. You know? Yeah, they just seemed like kids. Yeah, they really did. Although apparently Augie was a twenty-six-year-old man. But... <laughs> I mean, sorry, Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> How, so we should probably talk about Chuck. How do you feel about Chuck and Augie, Stella's best friends? Chuck and Augie. Augie was killed off too soon. Didn't get a lot of time to like him, right? Yeah. Yeah. I. But it I, was a really surprising scene because I didn't know where this was going to go. I didn't know if it would be one of those like scary things happen, but everyone's fine. The end. Yay. Like that was the first indication that there's going to be some some shit. Yeah. Like. To, like when the woman was going after coming in and this is based off of uh, the big toe from mm-hmm. the first book scary stories to tell in the dark the woman kept looking for her toe because somebody ate it and it was Augie and he was under the bed and they dragged out this scene so long <laughs> he was under the bed he looks he looks over he knows the door's open. Tense. Yeah, very mm. tense. Door's open, looking for the ghost. Doesn't see her feet. He comes from underneath the bed, looks around, looks to his right, nothing. Looks to his left, nothing. Looks up, nothing. So he gets slowly out of out of the bed to see what's on top of the bed. And as soon as you're like, okay, he's about to see the top of the bed, he gets pulled deeper underneath the bed and then when he looks over you see the face of the woman looking for her big toe and she screams at him he screams and she just drags him underneath and i'm like yo this is like 20 minutes into the film and augie's Mm -hmm. gone (laughs) and he was so frustrating he got a warning ahead of time yes don't eat the soup don't eat the big toe soup there's some big toes in there and he's like, well, what are you talking about? I'm not going to listen to you. And he eats the big toe. And then when he realizes shit's going down, they're like, get out the house. And he's like, hide? All right, cool. I'm going to go hide Yeah. in the house. Like, he, he didn't want to listen. It made me like not care that he died. <laughs> not but that's, that's, kind of, that's kind of what happens in every horror movie when they're dumb. But like, <laughs> it really frustrated me this time for some reason. I think because I wanted him to live really bad. It was... um. Yeah, and you kind of expected him to get out of the situation because Stella and Ramon were on their way to get him. And they're like, oh, he only lives a couple blocks away. But by the time that he got got, <laughs> that was it. They showed up and he was gone. They checked the under the thing, bed and that's it, nothing. The other thing with these reanimated corpse things, they're not that strong, guys. <laughs> Come on. like They're a reanimated corpse. Most of their muscles are gone. The fact that they're walking is a miracle. They barely have any strength. You can take them out. I know that it's mystical. She probably like has a strength of 20 men. But visually, it looks like she's super weak. Kick out her knees and you're done. Kick out her knees. Yeah. Run toward her. Kick her knee. Beat her up. She's a bone. Like a walking bone. And then she pulled him under the bed. Come on. There's no way she has that much force. (laughs) So scratch marks. Come on. Necromancy, bro. (laughs) I know. That's the only, like, she's empowered with sorcery. That's why she's so strong. Yeah. 
<sighs> but just like a little thing. Like every time I see a zombie, anything, it's just like they should not, unless they're a fresh zombie, they shouldn't be that strong. <laughs> fresh zombie. Walking Dead. Yeah. Yeah, that show. <laughs> oh, God. All right. So we talked about 25 seasons of that show. Hmm? We talked about Augie. What about Chuck? Chuck was cool. A little bit of a one note guy, but he was cool. Um, I wanted a like I don't know what I wanted, but I wanted a little bit more. I got some emotional impact from Chuck when Augie got taken or killed, or who knows what happened to him. Hmm. I just needed like a little bit more from him in that moment. Yeah, and it's not even like he didn't get a chance to emote. He emoted for Augie being taken. He was obviously very concerned about Ruth. I just don't know what it was missing, but there was something, some little scene I needed more so to like, say he was like a really good developed character. So I feel like it was. I think like maybe he it was his motivations. <laughs> I feel like he didn't need to be developed, right? Because his his personality took a one eighty. He was this confident, um, confident dude. wasn't afraid to throw a bag of shit at a. The jocks lighted on fire. Mm-hmm. He didn't care. He ran for his life after that because he knows he's getting his ass whooped. But he wasn't afraid to go there, right? Like, he'll talk mm-hmm. about, he'll bring up, he brought up Stella's past like it was nothing. But you, at that point, you already knew that his character doesn't, is not afraid to, like, uh, just say the first thing that comes to his head. You're right. And I liked his character a lot. And then I was just like, 180, right? Because. Yeah what happened to Augie when he learned that the book is real and it's doing stupid shit. He, his personality just started getting more and more paranoid and and he was about to like, he was doing the self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Mm -hmm. Um, He kept having dreams, which I felt like was out of nowhere. Like, (laughs) Oh, by the way, I'm having dreams about this pale lady that's going to kill me at the red room she says she tells me not to go to the red room because something bad's going to happen and they go to the reading he realizes that's his biggest fear this new nightmare yeah and he's like they're gonna make me yeah and then when they go to the red room in the hospital turns out it's not really the room that they were talking about it was a self-fulfilling prophecy i remember telling jumpy no matter what room he went to he was going to die. I think the only solution would be to be together, like never leave each other alone. Mm-hmm. And you have a chance. That's the only solution there. Yeah. The thing I was going back to with Chuck was, uh, let's say Stella. Like, what does Stella want? What is her motivation in the story? To stop the evilness, right? Save her friends. The evil cerebellos get to know Ramon. Save her friend. She's lonely in the beginning. It's very clear. So she wants, you know, some connection. And that's what she's building toward with Ramon. Ramon is also a bit of a loner. loner. He has a multitude of different motivations. Basically not dying. That's one of his big (laughs) motivations. Stay out of the war where his brother died. Um, But he's also lonely. So he's looking for a connection. Augie's big motivation was to hook up with any girl that that has a pulse and (laughs) that's very specifically with a pulse all right he doesn't care about the big toe lady 
Um, Ruth is pretty generic. She's just Chuck's sister. I don't really know her motivation. And Tommy's motivation is to be a, a little racist douchebag. I don't really know what Chuck's motivation is other than to be funny. I mean, he was the comic relief, right? Yeah. But his motivation in terms of like what he wanted out of all of this, like, yeah, it was definitely he was part of the ride. Uh, but yeah, like he was the he was supposed to be the like not afraid of anything, up for the like he it was his idea to go like to go into the house right, like Augie was the one that was like oh, um no wait Stella was the one that's like oh yeah there's a there's a hole in the fence let's go in. Chuck was the uh no Augie was the one that's like oh you know it's locked for a reason but Augie, I mean. Chuck was Chuck started making fun of him. They go inside the house. Chuck messing around. Messes with Augie. He runs into that room, goes in the closet, sees the haunted house in its past state with a woman sitting down on her bed with a dog just staring at him. And he's just like, What the fuck just happened? He closed it. And then Augie opens it up and it's the normal house. And ever since then, his motivation just like <laughs> he became the 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 super paranoid guy. Like, okay, we gotta get the fuck out of here. Like his his life changed ever after that moment. He was not the same Chuck we knew. <laughs> the poor Steinberg family. Yeah, because Chuck and Ruth didn't get a good ending. <laughs> they did not. Although Ruth's ending was not as. Not as painful as I thought it was going to be. Uh, at one point in the story, Ru- Ruth gets afflicted by the Bellows book. She gets her own scary story. Mm-hmm. She gets a giant pimple that has spiders upon spiders upon spiders coming out of it. At one point, it bursts open. And she doesn't die from the experience. It seems like she does at one point, but like she doesn't. Mm-hmm. She just gets a very big gash in her face. And one character, I think it was the cop, he said, all right, Ruth is going to spend the rest of her life in the madhouse. All right, she's never getting out of there. And I thought that would have been one hell of a like, okay, so you can survive this, but do you really want to? Because you're just going to go crazy. Um, but then at the end of the story, she just seems fine. She's like smiling in the back seat. She has a big scar, obviously. But other than that, she's she's doing great. And she's hunting for Chuck, and she seems to have hope. She doesn't seem crazy at all. Yeah. I mean... So her her kind of, like, story arc took a lot of dips and turns that I wasn't expecting. I don't think... I don't think she's... I think she... I don't think she's sane. You know what I mean? And sane in, like, the light is... Like, she's traumatized the spiders now. And I think she went to the sane side because she kept saying, get them off me, get them off me, get them off me. Mm. And they're already offering. They're like, dude, you're fine. And she's like, no, get them off me. She I mean, may look like she's burst out of her face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trauma. And she looks tame right now, but I'm sure it's going to be a problem in the sequel. I think what just threw me off was the fact that she was smiling, like as before. I would at least like to see her a little disheveled or like grim, you know. Not as happy as before. It just seemed like nothing happened. Yeah, I agree with that. 
so we talked about them. Another interesting character is Ramon Morales or Rodriguez. <laughs> Depends when you met him. Yeah. So he was cool. Very interesting character. Um, Suave dude. That, yeah. The jacket. Controversial. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> um, as soon as I saw him and I saw the time period, I was like, no, it's going to be some sad times. Because yeah. bad things are going to happen to him. His race. It's 1968. Yeah. Yeah, his race is going to get. And they did. They called him. Horrible Tom, names. Yeah. Tommy went there. He didn't care. Yeah. Um, I felt like the cop went there. Yeah. 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 He was uh, talking to him in Spanish to like, like, yo, don't leave town so soon. Comprende? And you're just like, oh, come on, dude. He's like, yes, I just spoke to you in English. <laughs> yeah, there's no reason for that. But then you learn that the cop knew he was a draft dodger. But so. then again, how do you know that? How do you know that? Because he assumed. You know why? Because <laughs> of racial profiling. All right, he's a racist cop. No, because he knew his last name. How? How do you know? He looked it up somehow. He's like, oh, Rabon. Why did he, but why did he look it up? Remember, remember. Tommy is assumed to have messed up his car, took the, uh, yeah, took messed up the engine, called him a horrible name, spray painted it on mm. his uh car, and then that same day Tommy goes missing. So they assume so that Ramon that it has was a, Ramon. Yeah. Okay. But then they went to the database and they typed in the name Ramon mm-hmm. and they found him. Isn't that a super common name? Ramon Rodriguez. Yeah, probably. That's why he used it. And, but then they found Ramon Morales. And <laughs> what good old it's fashioned like, police work. I just never know how these things happen. Like today, I kind of get it. Everyone's faces are plastered everywhere. In the 60s, yeah. they barely know about anything. In terms of DNA and all that, and like facial recognition, how do you know? There's a million Ram- Ramon Rodriguez is out there. He could have came up with that backstory, and Ramon could have been like, "Nah, it's some other guy. It's not me. Sorry." The license plate. That's yeah. That's better. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> you figured it out. You're a detective. <laughs> license plate would do it. <laughs> and I saw. I know I said that confidently, but I just came up with it. So. Uh, I mean, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I guess I assumed he would like get different plates, but how is he gonna do that? He's a kid, so yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And so he's. Said it. I feel like he said it too. The cops like, I ran mm-hmm. those plates of yours. <laughs> yeah. He's an interesting character because his motivation is to dodge the Vietnam War, mm-hmm. which is controversial. Some people are really uppity and mad about that. Some people are okay with that. Um, they definitely paint it like a a sympathetic thing that he's doing because his brother went to war and his brother got returned back to him in pieces. Yeah. So obviously it's super traumatizing for him. And then his letter came for him to go and do the same thing, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wasn't about it, so he ran. Yeah, he doesn't want to die. He saw Oop. his brother's bodies, body parts. And he mm-hmm. didn't want that for himself. It's understandable. Yeah. And what's more poignant is like 
he doesn't want to die for this Vietnam War in particular. He just doesn't think there's a point to it. And it's not like World War II where everyone's trying to defeat these Nazis or trying to take over the world. It's like a war that could be ended at any day if people in power would just make it stop. So he didn't want to die for that reason. Um, but obviously he could be seen as a coward. He definitely sees himself as a coward. And that was part of his big fear with the jangly man. Yeah. So we talked about those characters, but the way they went out their fears. Let's talk about Ramon first since I just brought him up. Uh, how do you feel about the jangly man and that being his biggest fear? Does it fit his character? Do you feel like it's... Yeah. Um, yeah. He he saw his brother in pieces, and the jangly man came down in pieces, right? Yeah. He heard he heard the story of the jangly man as a child, and like he said, it scared him to death. Mm-hmm. And you know, and then so it's like almost, um, like even though. Th- th- he saw his brother in pieces. Jangly man came in pieces, but it's almost like this is his brother calling him a coward. You know, that that's the way that's, I interpret it. Like he, that's he, really his his brother went to the war, fought the war, died, and um, he probably feels like a part of him feels like he's letting his brothers down by dro- dodging this draft. Mm. So it's almost like his brother's telling him he's a coward, and that's what he's afraid of. Yeah, couldn't say it better. What about um, Chuck's Chuck's demise? Uh, Who's what was the name of Chuck's villain? The Pale Lady. Pale well, Lady. Let's go back to the Jangly Man real quick. Yeah, sure. So the Jangly Man is an, is an original story, um, mm-hmm. by Guillermo del Toro, but it's based on two different stories. Um, one is called "What Do You Come For." And the other, the other one is Mi Tai Do Tai Walker, which is what the Jangly Man says, right? Mm-hmm. So he took those two stories and put them into one. Uh, I guess you want to talk about that now or later? Because these are... Sure. Okay. So you've never read or heard of any of these stories, right? Ever. All right. So Mi Tai Do Tai Walker is about... um. Mm-hmm. A man, uh, a rich man, who says anybody who stays in this haunted house, I'll give him two hundred dollars, and a little boy and it and his dog took up the offer, right? Deep. This <laughs> man is cheap. Two hundred dollars. This is like we're assuming this is like the the twenties <laughs> or some shit. Okay, that's a lot of money in the twenties. <laughs> so. There, uh, the this boy and his dog are there. They light a fire. They're staying in the haunted house. Nothing happens. Everything's cool. But after midnight, they hear a soft singing saying, Mi Tai Do Tai Walker. And he's just like, the little boy's like, oh, that's fine. And he was frightened a little bit, but he's like, okay. Somebody's singing. Nothing, no big deal. But his dog answered back, Lynchy, kinchy, kali, molly, dingo, dingo. 
and his dog said it and his he's the boys is like what you could talk and then he hears Mitai Dotai Walker get a little bit louder and his dog said Lynchy Kinchy Kali Molly Dingle Dingle louder and this the boy's like hey shut the fuck up to the dog right yo like you're too loud and then you hear a louder version of Mitai Dotai Walker and the boy grabs the dog's mouth shut but he can hold it for long and the dog responds Lynchy Kinchy Kali Molly Dingle Dingle like really loud and then a head falls off of the chimney right next to the dog the dog dies of fright and the head turns stares at the boy slowly opens its mouth and you're supposed to scream ah like ah to your friends mm-hmm. and that's the story wow and well that one seems like the the bulk of the jangly man this next story mm-hmm. yeah because he kept saying me tai do tai walker right this next one is what do you come for this one is about an old woman who lives by herself and one day she says I wish I had some company and as soon as she says that two feet come down from her chimney and then she's she's like freaking out when the two legs drop a body comes down like a torso then two arms a head and they all attach together just like the jangly man and then this dude dances around the room faster and faster and this is like a corpse like everything is rotten flesh is hanging out you see bone and then he stops dancing and he looks her right in the eye and then she's like what do you come for and this corpse says what do i come for i come for you and you're supposed to scream that out (laughs) Hmm. yeah so it's the combination of those two stories they did a pretty good job yeah um the dog didn't really speak or yeah, die or anything, it just, which is it, good. I didn't want to see that happen. But Did, did the dog? Die? Yeah, it didn't die, right? It just kind of... Yeah, it ran off. Yeah. So then we Damn, talked about... Mm-hmm. Sorry, what were you going to say? No, I'm just saying that was a really good interpretation of that story. <laughs> I, was, I liked it a lot. Yeah. And then we talked about... We were talking about Chuck. Yeah, Chuck's pale lady. She looks How like you felt about that story. She mm-hmm. looks like her drawing illustration, but like too much like it. It's not. <laughs> it, it like some. I, I like the unrealistic proportions. It was like scary. Yeah. It reminds me of um, what was it called? Now I'm trying to think of it. I can't remember the name. It was this Marvel show, mm-hmm. but you didn't really know it was Marvel. It was about a psychic who had schizophrenia. Never seen it? Uh, what's it called? Familiar. It was really cool. At least the first season was really, really cool. Oh, uh, Legion. Legion, that was it, yeah. So the first season of Legion, it had like, I think his name was like the Yellow Man or something like that. Man Yellow. It was like this evil presence inside the psyche of Legion, the main character guy. Mm-hmm. And he was you know, he was large. He was a very large man with a very large throat. And it reminded me of the Pale Lady. Like, that's what the effects looked like to me. <laughs> that's funny. I thought... It was cool. 
they they really just took the illustration and made a CGI, which is cool. Um, I like that she followed him everywhere. Um, yeah. Her absorption of him was really horrible, and like how she eventually cornered him. I thought she was gonna bite him. I really did. I thought so too. But she just that would have actually been worse. Yeah, that'd have been crazy. Cause she just smiled while he's hug- like they're hugging and embracing, and she just smiled, and her mouth is like right on his shoulders. And I'm just waiting for like the the mouth opening to like chomp on his shoulders. That would be that'd be too definitive. We wouldn't be able to be like, oh, maybe Chuck's gonna get saved. It's just he just got absorbed. You think if they get saved, they'll just be these husks of human beings who can't even think because of how scared they've been, or they're just not gonna remember. Yeah, uh, that's a good one. I think I think they're gonna remember what happened. But they, there was like a, it's like a blank right after that, and you know, like for whatever reason, after these horror movies, they kind of just turn out fine. Like, oh, yeah. a traumatic thing happened to me, but I'm good. Yeah, I'm saved. Well, for right now, that's not how this movie ended. Not for. And me. that's kind of what made it cool. Yeah. Ruth, she still has some trauma. She still got a really big scar. Yeah. yeah. Stella's the one who walked away with, like, nothing but dead friends, you know? I mean, her body's fine. But she's she didn't like, get hurt. She hmm? has this determination, you know? Yeah. That's what's help, helping her stroll along because she's trying to right the wrongs and all that stuff. Because she does blame herself. I mean, it is kind of her fault. Yeah. Like, if, if she didn't fuck around so much, she would have been fine. Everybody would have been fine. But I felt like... It's, I don't that. like feeling that way, that it's her fault, because it is. But, like, part of her character arc is feeling guilty about her mom and how that guilt is tying in yeah. with the guilt of what's happening in the story. But it's like, you're not responsible for the mom thing. You're super responsible <laughs> for the dead friend thing, though. They're not tied. You're responsible for that one. Yeah. <laughs> you, set, you set the events in motion. Yeah. I agree with that. Or she's not dead, right? She just left. Yeah, that's what they say. They just disappeared, but like, they had the same thing with all the other bellows that disappeared. Just that whole, um, they just disappeared without a trace. Then people even said they oh they left town. So I feel like that's what they're saying about, um, Stella's mom. Before I move on to one of my favorite, like villains in this thing um ruth and the spiders how do you feel about that was that based on a certain story that you remember yeah uh the red spots and it's the same thing even the character character's name in the story is ruth but she gets bit by a spider she looks in the mirror she realizes that it's um uh that there's a small red spot and they just try to squeeze it out and then a bunch of spiders come out. Yeah, like she, she took a hot bath and she soaked herself. Like she soaked herself in the bath in the hot water to so the, the boil will burst and a bunch of tiny spiders <laughs> just came out shooting from her cheek. What a realistic nightmare. Yeah. Because spiders could lay their eggs in, in your pores and then burst out like that. Yeah, so it was a nice Scare. short story. Mm-hmm. 
remind me uh talk about the dream the pale lady yeah we'll talk about that um right after this because yeah. i want to talk about tommy yeah. tommy has this the terrible person he is and the awesome villain that took him down harold <laughs> yeah so Tommy seemed very one note. Tommy seemed like the worst. He seemed like a Stephen King teenager. <laughs> like every Stephen King teenager is a horrible racist. At least that's the trope that I've seen as I read through a lot of his books. Where there's like, there's the normal kids who are just about to enter puberty or something. And then there's the racist teenagers who like wear the leather jackets and carry switchblades mm-hmm. and just really like hurting people for no reason yeah and that's what tommy felt like and he even spoke like a weirdo he was like a 40 year old drunk in a (laughs) 16 year old's body yeah perfect that's the perfect way to describe him Mm -hmm. the trashiest of trash people like i I he spoke slow ruth dated him for reasons only known to ruth i don't really get what their connection was about I can't imagine he's popular. He he can't be good at sports. He's drunk all the time. I don't I don't really get what his his appeal is. But he is good at sports and he is popular. How? He's drunk. <laughs> he can't be good at sports and, and be drunk thing, right? all the time. We only got to know the drunk version of Tommy, right? We didn't get mm-hmm. to know the real Tom, the real Tommy. For all we know that's he's the drunk version because, of the real Tommy. Yeah, there's no real Tommy to know. <laughs> So how do you feel about Tommy overall? Obviously you hate him, but like, was he done well? Character good? In terms of if you're trying to make a, a bully character, because every teenager that just hit puberty or the awkward teenagers need an antagonist, and it's always just people around their age who genetics smiled happily at them, you know? They like all the things. For that time frame, yeah. Yeah, they liked all the things other people liked. They were good at sports. They had. They were tall, good looking. Is he any of those things though? Probably. He seems short to me. (laughs) Kind of, kind of mousy looking. Drunk, obviously, can't throw a football, save his life. Carried a bat with him the entire time. He did carry a bat, to like beat up minorities with like he was horrible i hate him and he had a car he did have a car that was like a big thing if you're high school and had a car already you're like a creme de la creme creme Hmm. i guess that's his only appealing feature i just i guess i really hate the trope of like the friend or the family member who's dating an obvious so sociopath guy and like just stays with him even though he's like beating up teenagers in front of you and giving little kids wedgies like yeah why are you want to be with that guy he's a horrible person yeah like what he farted in chuck's milk and made him drink it and then ruth is like i want to date that guy (laughs) that's disgusting and she went with them to the haunted house when he trapped them there in sarah bell's room and then she was just like oh come on come on that's my brother. Come on. And then he shoved her in there, but he got what's coming to him later. Yep. Because when he went back home and the mother of the year 
you were supposed to deliver eggs and you didn't. Are you drunk? He's like, yeah. Do I have to deliver the eggs? He's like, yeah. He's like, all right, send your team to drunk drive <laughs> for your delivery. Yeah, it's true. The mom did not. I mean, I guess I couldn't expect much <laughs> from somebody who raised Tommy, but she she's just like, yeah, get back out there. Do your chores. It's more important than your safety. And he lived on a farm, you know. I, I love how he did it too. Like his character made me feel like he would be like, "No, yeah, here, old lady, I'm going to bed." Like he actually wanted to do it. Yeah, and he was mad, like kicking shit, trying to kick the chickens. Hmm. It's like, oh, it's your fault. You laid the eggs, so I have to pick it up. Hurting animals. <laughs> sign. It's a bad sign. So yeah, so he goes, goes into the corn maze. Meets the scarecrow that he, him and his friends were beating up earlier. Beats this dude up, and it's the same scarecrow. The illustration's the same, so I I like that too. True to the source material. It's hyper realistic face, very scary. Looks like a corpse. Hmm. The scarecrow. That really like frightened me. I wonder if actual scarecrows look like that. Nah, <laughs> like jeepers creepers. That's some scary stuff. <laughs> I thought they were just like little smiley faces on, or like, you know, the Wizard of Oz scarecrow, stuff like that. <laughs> Have you seen the comic? It's like um, Dorothy saying, and I'll miss you, like, goodness, scarecrow, like, oh, I'll miss you. And then Batman comes in and beats the shit out of the scarecrow and then leaves, <laughs> and everybody's crying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be surprised with Batman's villains, like, themes. Yeah. If there was a Dorothy and a, a cowardly lion villain and all these other villains sure. that were just lesser known from the 50s. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, Tommy gets, yeah, he starts walking around trying to stumble his way back home so uh-huh. to his car to deliver the eggs. And he runs into the scarecrow again and he finds that odd. But he's drunk, maybe. He just took a left and sort of a right and ended up back to where he was. So he starts walking again and then he ends up at the same part where the scarecrow is but the scarecrow's not there just with the, the post that it's on. And then next thing you know the scarecrow's just coming after him and in the most graphic scene he takes the um, Tommy picks up a pitchfork to fight the sca- or scarecrow whose name is Harold. And that was the smartest thing anybody did by the whole movie. But then he did one of the least smart things anyone's ever seen. Because <laughs> the scarecrow has has one giant hole in his stomach. There's nothing to hit there. And Tommy shoves the pitchfork directly in the empty hole instead of his face. Yeah. And then the scarecrow's like, let me show you how it's done. He grabs the pitchfork. And as Tommy's running, he stabs Tommy with the pitchfork through his torso. But mm-hmm. We're like, oh, there's no blood. He's a PG thirteen. PG thirteen. But we start seeing that where he's there's supposed to vomit blood. The reason is he is vomiting hay, and he eventually turns into a scarecrow. And Tommy goes missing. When they, f- when Stella and Ramon go to find to see if Tommy's corpse is there or something, they just find another scarecrow. With Tommy's clothes. Looks, looks just like Harold. 
Yeah. That was one of the instances where it's like, okay, with PG-13, we can't show blood. We'll do this other thing, and the other thing ends up being way worse than just showing blood. A lot of times, I like PG-13 horror movies better because they either come up with cool alternatives like that, which is worse than the showing of the blood. He actually just becomes this character that's terrifying the way they did it. Mm-hmm. Or they make it off screen. They show a lot of it off screen, yeah. which I like because anything you imagine is going to be worse. worse than what they could show you. Yeah. I love that too. If they do it right, it's like perfect. Mm-hmm. The... All right, so that was like the big scary stories. The only one we haven't really talked about were Sarah Bellows herself appearing to stella and also chuck's dream yeah <clears throat> all right um let's talk about cerebellos and then i'll talk about the dreams we already had mm-hmm. already talked about the red spot which is roots spider story and we talked about um we talked the jangly about man the jangly man which is two stories big toe lady pale lady we didn't talk about the actual story for the pale lady oh yeah what's that uh We'll do it after. Let's talk about mm. Sarah Bellows. All right. Because she has a tragic story. She was basically framed. Or not framed. Yeah, actually, she was, she framed. was framed. She was basically framed for the dead kids in town who died from mercury poisoning from the well that the Bellows family owns or like whatever water plants the or mill, something. The mill that they owned. Was, was poisoning spilling, the water hole. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. was spilling mercury into the water hole. So it was the Bellows fam- family that killed a bunch of kids with their negligence. And instead of taking responsibility or fixing the problem, they blamed it on their crazy daughter that has al- albinism. And because she looked scary, everyone believed it. Yeah. And then, lo and behold, she became a demon. Was it you? I mean, she's she's not really a demon, but like she practiced the black magic or whatever. I I don't think that was real either. I think they just said it because the Nate their her caretakers were African American, so they blamed it on them. And when mm, so they're like, oh, it's voodoo, but it's not right. Hmm. So what was her magic then? Where did it come from? Rage, just pure rage. Uh, we might find out more. Because she did have a lot of books down there. Maybe she found like a witchcraft book. But but yeah, when they when they talked to the the grandmother, the of the maid, the dunno Yeah. The the maid's Lulu? daughter, Lulu, grew up and she was an old blind lady. But when they talked to her, the they're like, Oh, did you did they teach her the black magic or whatever? Did your mom teach her black magic? She says, they ain't no black magic. That's just rage. Hmm. Yeah, I guess I, I didn't see that part. That, not that I didn't see it. Like, it didn't register with me. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay, so her powers just come from pure angriness. Yeah. And Spoilers for Bly Manor, really I mean, quick. But they... it's very similar in that in that's season of television oh yeah blind matter yeah like being mad yeah. caused all the problems <laughs> um she 
she was uh she wasn't lobotomized but they did give her an electric shock treatment on t- to make her confess to her crime for for their crimes right they kept uh shocking her until she was finally able to tell the truth and in a crazy ass like like they're listening to a recording from like this cylinder and one of the best parts in the movie mm-hmm. they're like um they're like okay she's like fine you want a confession i'll give you the confession they um the i poisoned the kids you happy and then she's like yeah and she's like you want to hear a story it's about harold and the red door some shit like that right and then that's when uh like stella and ramon are like oh fuck she's telling the story <laughs> about mm-hmm. about chuck and then um not so, yeah, I said Harold. I meant Chuck. She's like, "Oh, you want to hear a story about Chuck and the, and then in the red room." And then her, her brother was like, "Who, who the hell is Chuck?" But Stella and Ramon were like, "Well, fuck." So it's like it's a recording, almost like she knew this that moment in time will happen. That was super cool because it made it seem like what kind of, like fifth dimensional chess is this lady playing? Like you guys are not prepared. Yeah. She's gonna destroy all of you. Yeah, she has pre-rendered your deaths. Since before you were even born. Yeah. She knew this would happen. And yeah. So. Her family fucked her over. Because they wanted it to. You know. And then. The other thing was that they said. That she said. No. They said she hung herself. Right. Mm-hmm. And. They hinted. At her home. Yeah. At, I think they said. Outside. Right. Mm. <clears throat> but then Lulu said no. They hung her in the house. And. They're like, no, but they, and we couldn't get a definitive answer, but it sounded like she didn't hang herself. It sounded like they hung her. And, but that's just my conclusion to that. I don't know if it's the actual thing. It makes sense. She, um, so naturally she had a bunch of rage for being framed by her own family mm-hmm. and tortured. That's obviously going to drive you crazy. And she developed spirit powers because of that. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about the resolution happening? Because Stella went to her and said, sorry. Uh, it was good. I liked it. The whole, okay. I liked the, like, look. Uh, and it's like a good life lesson, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what your family did sucked. And I will go and tell people what really happened. I will spread your true story. And absolve you of that sin. But that was just that moment. That time. Everything you've been doing now is on you. Everything you can. It's okay to be like the whole. It's okay to be angry. But what you do with the anger is on you. It's not on anybody else. No one made you do this. You did this. Your anger is understandable. Your rage is understandable. But the monster that they said you were when you weren't. You became. And that's on you. And Sarah's like, oh, fuck, that's true. Nice little truth sandwich. <laughs> Reality check. She was like, damn, that's crazy. I had such a crazy death for you planned. <laughs> but she she saw a reason. Yeah. She let go of her rage. And she made her promise in blood that she was going to spread her story, which she did. Which Stella did. She took her own blood in a pen and wrote the story of uh, the truth and then... Uh, told what her if her she... writing it down, there Sarah Bella's story, 
made her family betray her in the first place and started her <laughs> nightmare in the, to begin with. And then this whole thing's a big loop. I I doubt it. She 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 wrote her she wrote her story in blood in the magic, you know, make stories real book. Mm-hmm. She made it real by writing it down, and that's why it happened. Now, yes, Stella was transported back in time. She was in the house when the house was full of life, you could say. Mm-hmm. And she took on the persona of Sarah Bellows, was chased and pushed downstairs to the to the hidden room where she stayed and they um she understood how sarah felt and that's when her and sarah had that conversation but one thing of note is when the bellows family was dragging her downstairs her glasses came off and ramon found the glasses in present time and he was being chased by the jangly man in the haunted house that fucking sucks and they looked old. I feel like they yeah. they went through time. Yeah. So what Jumpy's saying is a possibility. She wrote the confession in the book, but then why wasn't her book in the first place? You know what I mean? Well, the book decides to be blank sometimes. That's true. Maybe. Who knows? Because, like, she told that story mm-hmm. in the past about Chuck, but then they saw it being written in modern time, but she still wrote that story a long time ago. So Yeah. And it, and it appeared in the book. Yeah. Well, she didn't write it. She said it, right? Yeah. So, yeah. But that was, I thought that was interesting. That was good. How'd you feel about the, that ending? I like it. It was cool. Um, I just can't help but think of like little things like, could she have asked her to give back her friends if she ended her story in blood with and Chucky and Augie came back to life and it was cool? Yeah. Would they have came back to life? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I think I think Stella was getting under the impression that maybe her rage wasn't didn't cause the the things to happen. Maybe she actually learned dark magic and then uh. just blamed it on the the maid and her daughter. And now she's going to go find the source of it. Source of the dark magic. Hmm. Yeah. So overall, great movie. I liked everything about it. I liked the characters. I liked the scary stuff about it. It was way darker than I thought it was going to be, even though it was still overall pretty lighthearted. It was like a good mix, yeah. which is definitely our vibe with yeah. Are You Afraid of the Dark fans. Like yeah. a campy, fun but sometimes scary ride is what we're going for. Except that one episode where like we cried. <laughs> yeah. That got dark. <laughs> um This is a cool movie to like if you're with your if you if you grew up reading the books and just want to watch something for Halloween. Yeah, watch it. It Yeah. It's if good... you're sitting in in the dark and you need to tell a story. Or it's a good thing to put on. Yeah, and if you want to like introduce this to your kids too, you know, be with them. It's an egg. It's creepy in the beginning. It gets kind of tame. This is a very good, like, my kids' first horror movie. They're like 12 to 13 kind of yeah. thing, if that's what you're going for. Because a lot of parents are like, no horror movies ever. <laughs> yeah. But here, like, watch any other violent, you know, mob film, but not a horror movie. <laughs> I never understood that. But if you, if you are with the type that want to introduce horror to your kids, this would be a good one to start with. Yeah. So the stories here that they took from the book was the um, 
the big toe, jangly man. Uh, sorry, the big toe. We did. Uh, we talked about me tai do tai walker and what do you come for? That was the jangly man. Uh, the haunted house ties in to Cerebello's story. Um, one thing we haven't touched is that there's a music box that Cerebello's had that Lulu also had, and they played the song. You may be next, which is in the books. It's called a hearse song, or you may be next, which is cool. I thought that was interesting that they just had that and they threw it into the story. What's um, the importance in the books? It's just a song, like they have like musical notes and and how like how to sing it too. It's pretty cool. But uh, yeah, like it's a really like, interactive book. Yeah. Like, but I like the the first two lines are like, "Don't you ever laugh as the hearse goes by, for you may be the next to die." Like that's a that's a good life I like lesson. That. Like, mm-hmm. Don't fucking laugh at somebody's misfortune because you may be next to fall onto that misfortune. Particularly, don't laugh at them at somebody dying because it's gonna happen to you one day. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I get from it. The, Something to laugh about happens to all of us. Yeah. No one, no one lives forever. No, except me. <laughs> so, uh, Harold was from the book. Um, sorry, yeah, Harold was from the story Harold, mm-hmm. and the they they touch upon it, but the one of the stories was the Wendigo, and it was a story written for one of the Bellows brothers. So, I wanted to see that because I've recently liked the Wendigo <laughs> idea. Um, one, because the bad guy in the X-Men franchise, and it's like a goofy bad guy, but I just like seeing it. Mm-hmm. It's real origins and like Native American lore is pretty cool. Pet Cemetery. And then we saw this movie, Antlers. Yeah. He's that had a Wendigo in it. Yeah. And uh, Over the Garden Wall is like... A lot of cool Wendigo stuff. Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't think the legend of the Jersey Devil is about a Wendigo, but it's it the way that it's described is just it's basically a Wendigo. I mean, I, I feel like it is. <laughs> I can see that. I haven't really looked into the Jersey Devil in a long time. It's described to look very similar to a Wendigo, big bony, like antlered face. That story is interesting from the book. Um, cause it's just about a, a wealthy man who goes to, uh, um, uh, who goes in the North part of Canada to, to hunt and no one would, uh, wanted to be a guide to these people except Mm -hmm. for one native American and his name was Defago. I don't know. (laughs) I like that they tied it into the actual Native American lore. So, yeah, and it's just like it's a pretty lengthy story, but they they go into the they they go into the uh, the deep part in the snow to hunt. They didn't find anything, and a lot of crazy stuff happens. But at the end, is um uh they they finally find the the native american to 
that was guiding them and they ask him are you defago um he didn't answer and they're like okay but are do you know defago and he didn't answer and then when they like look went up really close to him to 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 find out who this guy is um they lifted his hat and they screamed because there was nothing under the hat except for a pile of ashes mm and um that was pretty was there much a windigo? they couldn't find this dude in the in the snow but they found like tracks leading to like where this guy was so and one of the questions the hunters asked maybe it was a windigo it's supposed to come with the wind it drags you along at great speed until your feet are burned away and um then it carries you into the sky and drops you so it's pretty much what happened to the, or it may have happened to the native american or that could have been the wind to go tricking these hunters who knows yeah but yeah um that was a good one the is that all the stories we saw yeah it was the big toe which is pretty much oh, right, yeah. the same a boy was digging in the garden he finds a big toe he picks it up he pulls it out because it was stuck to the ground obviously he takes it to his mother the um, the mother cooks it in a stew the dad splits it into three and they all go to sleep peacefully that night except the little boy because he keeps getting woken up by a sound asking where's my toe and it's faint and he hears few footsteps getting closer and closer to his door but he's a family of cannibals i I he just brought a toe and I think And they the, said this is cow toe? Like <laughs> what it I think it was so like the way it was because it was like so rotted and all that stuff, they probably thought it was something else. Or This is rotting meat. Yeah. Let's eat it. The other thing is, um I think they're that poor that they would because uh. Because the dad cut it into three pieces and it's a toe. Okay. Yeah. So this person's like, where's my toe? And the boys is like, okay, um, it doesn't know where I am. So I'm safe. Sound familiar. (laughs) And he pulls the blankets over his head. He's like, I'll go to sleep. And when I wake up, it's gone. And then he keeps hearing, where's my toe? It's coming closer and closer. And then finally, um, when he when he like pulls the covers you're supposed to scream out like you're supposed to say where's my toe and then grab the person next to you and it's like you've got it and you're supposed to scream it out it's, it's a nice little interactive mm. story i like it the next one have you ever have you ever told them with like a group of friends my brother did that with his like friends and those but yeah i remember them but their bedtime was later than mine, so I didn't get to, you know. You got to stay up anyway, you know. <laughs> Be like the little brother who just won't go to bed. <laughs> nah. But it was fun. I remember all that as a kid. The story of the dream was similar to what... um, And I, and I like going back to the big toe. Mm-hmm. Augie was just up in people's like faces about what they eat you know like he kept yeah. telling chaka like oh you know what's in that that's gonna kill you 
because all those like that like you know they they control your brain with that and all that shit <laughs> that'll give you a heart attack when you're like 50 if you keep eating that so and it's yeah, he, eat, he eats mystery gumbo yeah because his mom was like i didn't cook any stew well he's like well someone cooked it I'm not suspicious. I'll eat anything. <laughs> so that was his fear of uh, dying from what he ate. And then mm. he ends up dying from what he ate. The dream is Chuck's story. And he had a, you know, um, f- self-fulfilling prophecy of having a dream. Somebody warned him not to go into the red door. And... You know, the red room. He gets fucked over that way. This this story is about an artist named Lucy, who spends who spent a week painting in a small country town, and she goes to a village called Kingston, and she had a dream. Um, she, she was walking up a dark cur- carved staircase and enter a bedroom. It was an ordinary room except. The carpet was made up of large squares that looked like trap doors and the windows were fat fastened shut with big nails that stuck up out of the wood. And in her dream, Lucy slept in that room and a pale face and woman with black eyes and long black hair came into the room, leaned over and whispered, this is an evil place. Flee while you can. Similar to what happened with Chuck, where they told him stay away from the red room because something bad's gonna happen. Lucy awoke from that dream, and she was just like, "I'm gone." Like, she's like, "I can't stay here. I can't tell you why, but I'm not gonna sleep here anymore." And then the landlady's like, "Okay, go to Dorset. That it's a nice town. It's not that far." So she goes to Dorset. And she finds a um she finds a house at the top of a hill, and she asks for a room. The landlady, uh, was like, "Okay, let's look at the room. I think you'll like it." And they walk up a dark, carved staircase. Um, but Lucy's like, "Oh, all these staircases look at the same in these houses." And she opened the bedroom door. And in this room, it's the same carpet that looked like trap doors and the same windows that fastened with big nails and Lucy's like oh this is just a coincidence and um the landlady said I'll bring you up some tea while you think about it Mm. Lucy sat on the bed staring at the doors and the nails and there was a knock on the door it's the landlady with the tea but it wasn't the landlady it was the woman with the pale face, the black eyes, and the long black hair. And Lucy grabbed her things and got the fuck out of there. The end. And, and she escaped? Yeah. She escaped. So, different ending. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. I guess he escaped too. <laughs> Inside First. the woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He, he escaped all escape. his problems. <laughs> well, he he escaped the first time that he saw, yeah. like, the scary old lady. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't necessarily die there. 
and that seems similar to that story. I don't know if the pale lady is meant to be the same one. Is she meant to be as grotesque? Yeah, like in the illustration, it's very same one, same lady, just three D. Mm. <laughs> and then... that's what I mean to absorb him into your body. See, that's one of the scenes where, if they just got closer and closer, and we didn't see the absorption, yeah, I would have assumed he got eaten or something. Yeah, and my my imagination would have done better. <laughs> than him getting absorbed even though that scene looked cool it was still just like this is a part you could have cut away or did some clever camera work yeah i think they just wanted to like oh they they don't want you to assume he died because then they don't when they come back they don't want you to be like oh they're the dead can be brought back too just like nah they they didn't die so that's why i think tommy's still alive too because he didn't really die die he just turned into a to a scarecrow. He like a cop comes back and say, like, "Hey guys, I'm fine. I recovered from the neck break." <laughs> they just turned it back around, and I was 100. Mm-hmm. percent Yeah, you never done that before. <laughs> Chiropractor can do it for you. So, the the story that Sarah Bellows was writing for Stella was the haunted house, and I find this one interesting too because this story is about an old preacher who stayed in a haunted house with his Bible and he kind of like wanted to um, like I guess bless it a little bit like just kind of he took his Bible with him and he stayed at the house but he wanted to like lay the, the haunt to rest and that night he keeps hearing like he hears footsteps um and it kept coming closer and closer. The doorknob turns. And like he's like, hey, what do you want? And the door shut. And there wasn't a sound. Preacher was kind of scared, clutching his Bible. But he decided to keep reading it. And then he kept... Uh, and he stayed by the fire. Mm. And then the doorknob turned again. And there was a young woman. like, And the illustration is like a skeleton with still like muscles, like a rod, like a zombie but with no eyes and the teeth are there Uh, and the lip is kind of hanging out (laughs) oh i hate that yeah and that uh and then he's like who are you what do you want and she just faded out (laughs) and he was just he was scared but he is he just waited it out too she faded and he's like that's gonna happen again and then the f- the the slow slow stepping of the floor started getting closer and closer, and it got right to this door. It opened, and he's like, "In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, who are you, and what do you want?" And the woman walked across the room s- straight to him, and she told him that. She wanted him to find her corpse underneath the fu- um. It's buried in the cellar, and if she can do, at uh, if she can convict her lover, because that's the person who killed her, um, I'll, uh, I'll give you the money, or something. The, no, the lover killed her for her mother money and buried her on in the cellar, and if the preacher could dig up her bones, bury her properly, she could rest. 
So, so she did. So the preacher went. Um, uh, he dug up her bones, all that stuff, and she told him, "If you come back after you convict my my lover, I'll tell you where my money is hidden, and you can give it to the church." And she cried as she faded away. The preacher found her bones, buried them in the graveyard. He um. He put a finger bone in the collection plate, and somebody touched it, and it got stuck to their hand. The guy jumped up, tried to get that bone off of him, but nothing happened. He started screaming. He was going crazy, and then he confessed to the murder of his lover, and it took him to jail. The man was hung, <laughs> and the preacher went back to the house at midnight. Um. And the voice told him to dig underneath the hearth rock. He did. He found a big sack of money, and he gave it to the church. And that woman never haunted the house again. And it, to me, that was similar to what went through with Sarah Bellows. She was, I think she was killed. I don't think she killed herself. Um, I think she was haunting the house, creating the stories, but that kind of drove Stella into finding out what really happened to her. And she she told the real story of that she was uh, framed for poisoning the kids and what her family was doing. Okay. Yeah. And then the last story is the Harold story. And I saved this one for last. You ready? Okay. Yeah. This one, I did like the haunted house because I really did. It really did tie it into, like, they took a different pathway to with Sarah Bellows, but it's still very keeps the core story alive. The um the story of Sarah Bellows being this creepy girl who has albinism mm-hmm. reminded me of the Braithwaite's from Red Dead Redemption 2's video game arc. <laughs> Where, like, there was another Braithwaite named Gertrude, but she was, like, a weirdo. Um, some said she was possessed, and they kept her in, like, an outhouse in the back Damn. somewhere. Yeah. So yeah. very similar setup. I feel like the ring kind of has a similar vibe to it, too. Yeah. That also has a similar vibe. Yeah. So, Harold, the Scarecrow. It's one of the most famous stories. Um, but it's about two guys, Thomas and Alfred. They drove their cows to a nice green pasture in the mountains to graze. Um, and they stayed with the cows for two months. Um, then they bring them down to the valley again. It was, uh, it, it's easy because all they have to do is just watch the cows, but it's boring because they didn't have internet or anything back then, no phones to play on. So they just literally just sat there and watched the cows graze. And um, at night, they go back to the tiny hut, eats, eat dinner, work in the garden, and go to bed every day for two months. And then Thomas had an idea. Let's make a scarecrow the size of a man That'd be fun. We could put it in the garden to scare the birds. And Alfred is like, oh, it should look like Harold. And Harold was a farmer that they both hated. 
and they you know they they make a scarecrow stuffed with straws and they had they had a pointy nose like Harold and tiny eyes like Harold <laughs> and they put in dark hair and a twisted frown and of course they named him Harold and each morning they brought him out and each night they brought him in so the rain doesn't ruin it and at some point they start talking to the scarecrows like oh how the vegetables growing today Harold and then the other one would answer very slowly and then they crack up um not a lot to do on the farm I guess yeah but same as Tommy when they're angry or something went wrong they just beat the crap out of Harold they'd punch him kick him cuss him out um they would take the food they're eating and feed it to him it's like oh how do you like the stew Harold now you like the big toe <laughs> but they they bully this inanimate object which I guess if they needed an outlet that was fine yeah. it's better than a person <laughs> but one day the Harold grunted and Alfred Oof. was Alfred was like what was that Thomas was like that was Harold I saw him do that Alfred is like, how can he grunt? Does it make sense? He has no vocal cords. He's just straw. And Thomas Harold's is like, like, yeah, how's that possible? <laughs> and Thomas is like, yo, let's throw him in the fire. Alfred is like, nah, dude, come on. That's our imaginations. Let's not do something like that. Um, when we move the when we move the cows down, we'll leave them befi- behind. For now, let's just keep them there and watch them just in case. Uh. But they stopped punching him, kicking him. They didn't even talk to him or anything like that. Um, and every now and then the doll will grunt. And after a while, they're like, you know what? Um, that can't be him. Maybe a mouse or insect got inside him. And that's what was making uh, that's making the sounds. So they start punching him, kicking him again, cussing him out, joked, laughing. Um, until one day, Alfred noticed that Harold is growing. And Thomas is like, I was thinking the same thing. Alfred was like, maybe it's our imagination. We've been up here for almost two months. <laughs> um, maybe it is. <laughs> so one day, Harold got up, walked out of the hut, climbed on the roof, walked back and f- back and forth. Yeah, Harold <laughs> climbed on mm-hmm. the roof. Walked back and forth, and all day and all night he just kept walking back and forth. Harold climbed down in the morning, and stood far, in the far corner of the pasture, and the men just had no idea what was gonna happen. They were freaked out, so they just said fuck it. They took the cows down to the. Va- they decided to take the cows down to the valley. Um. But when they left, Harold was nowhere in sight. Um, they thought, okay, whatever was going to happen to us is not going to happen anymore. He's gone. We're good. And they start like cracking jokes and singing. Um, but they realized that they forgot their milking stools. Neither of them wanted to go back, uh, but they needed it. Because how are they going to milk the cow without the stools? Um, 
Good point. Good point. So they drew straws, ironically. And it was Thomas. Thomas got the short straw. He lets out a sigh and he's like, I'll catch up with you. And, uh, and, Alf- and Alfred walked towards the valley and Thomas went back to the, to the, the hut. When Tom, when Alfred came to a rise in the path, he looked back for Thomas. He didn't see Thomas anywhere, but he saw Harold. Harold was on the roof. And Harold kneeled and stretched out a bloody skin to dry in the sun. The end. Gary. Yeah. That is not what happened to Thomas, let me tell you. Oh, man. <laughs> I think that might be the better one, the best one. Yeah. That that's the one that's like famous. For what when you think of scary stories to tell in the dark, people have read it. Harold is the one that kind of comes to mind. But yeah, in terms of like doing a PG thirteen movie and incorporating all these elements into it, all these stories, they I thought they did a good job, and they they did great. And to have one big narrative and just in, um. Just have divert all these stories, especially tying into other people's fears. Yeah. Yeah, they did an excellent job weaving those storybooks into something that didn't feel like, you know, a a puzzle that had a missing piece that you just kind of shoved in there. Like it all seemed to fit coherently. Like he wrote those stories for each character. Yeah. Nothing seemed out of place. There wasn't a story that seemed shoehorned in. Yeah. Um, I assume there's a bunch more stories that weren't included that you're yeah. hoping to see in the future. Is there any in particular that you're just like, I can't wait to see them cover this story? Off of the top of my head, like they did all the ones that I remember. Mm. Um, like I I vividly remember the red spot. I vividly remember Harold. Um, Jangly Man was new. They didn't touch the second book from what I remember from like the research I did. Mm-hmm. So that would be cool to like incorporate some of those stories. Uh, but let's see. A ring on her fingers. Uh, if I remember that correctly. Was I think somebody took a ring from a grave and the grave kind of <laughs> wanted the ring back. Not the grave, the, mm-hmm. the corpse wanted the ring back. Um, let's see. Nothing, nothing else like kind of screams out at me, but I'm sure like if I see it, I'll be like, oh shit, I remember that. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's probably better because I'll have time to read the book when this comes out in 2025. <laughs> Kids hit 30. Yeah. <laughs> Playing middle schoolers, high schoolers. Yeah. Yeah. 
the other thing that I like was like Stella's character was also a, a writer. Like she loved writing her own like stories, short stories too. And she's also mm-hmm. known for writing the creepy ones. So she does have that in common with Sarah. And I think that's what like what she expected when she said Sarah Bellows tell me a story. She was expecting like another like somebody like her to tell her a ghost story. But I she didn't realize that. <laughs> that's she, another thing that like makes her character a little more fleshed out is she needed confidence in her writing, which she didn't have. She didn't want to publish her work. And at the end of the story, that's what she's doing. She's publishing her work yeah. and putting it out there for everyone to see. Yeah. Happens to be a true story that she has no choice but to publish, but still. Mm-hmm. And she even got the treatment of like, some people believed her, some people didn't. Yep. Did uh, anything you're looking forward to in the next movie? it's hard to predict because I don't know what happens in the story like just from from everything you've seen like like you know Ruth is there with them you know um, Roy, Stella and Ruth are going to try to bring back the other people Roy? Um, Stella's father oh right I was thinking of Raymond. Do you think Raymond? I'm looking forward to seeing one scene. I mean, it's hard to say looking forward because it's actually pretty sad, but I think Raymond's going to die. Yeah. Del's going to get word of it, and they're going to use that against her in a ghost story. Mm-hmm. And he'll be the haunting her kind of guy. Damn, that's crazy. Because I just don't see him coming back for some reason. If... I mean, he could. That's a jangly man. That's kind of what I think is going to happen. And then her friends are obviously going to come back. Otherwise, they would have killed them more definitively. Yeah. But I'm also hoping they come back a little damaged. Just to have some weight to the actions of... Yeah. Like, some weight to what happened to them. Well, because like... Ru- Ruth Ruth walks away with a scar, which is pretty bad. Like It's a pretty big gash in her face. Yeah. If Chuck came back with nothing but a you know, scary story a little unfair yeah. and you know Tommy's still in the woods I guess I mean nobody fixed him I hope not in the woods the, the cornfield I hope it doesn't turn into like something where she goes back in time and she's a reason her Jeez. mother's not there or some shit like that I don't know uh, that I don't want I don't want them no time travel shenanigans we already had enough in this one yeah. and we skidded by pretty well we didn't put too much thought into it and the implications of the time travel mechanics, but I don't really want to see too much more of that because every time they go deep into time travel, it starts making less and less sense. Yeah. Like, you have to have a good, like, a a good fleshed out story to do a good time travel story. To me, mm-hmm. the best that did it was Dark. Dark? Well, I never got to finish Dark, but yes. <laughs> I'm sure it did do good. It fucking ties in everything nice and clean. One day I'll get to it. <laughs> what else? Uh, Archive 81 felt like it could. It had an idea of how to do it. 
Archive 81. That's still hard to talk about. I need season two right now. Me too. Looking at you, Hulu. <laughs> Prime Video. Disney Plus. <laughs> Anybody. <laughs> Keep dreaming. HBO I know Disney Max. owns everything, but maybe. HBO Max would be a good one. It's just why can't Netflix renew it, guys? It's so good. It's one of the best things they make. And like, because we need. No, nah, we can't do it. We need Tall Girl 3. Yes, we do. Yes, <laughs> we need Tall Girl 3. Uh, well, I definitely say check out this movie, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. It Definite was, watch. Yeah. You can watch it on Netflix. One, <laughs> one of the better non graphic horror stories that they've made recently. Yeah. You're not going to get a true um adaptation of the books but it is a love letter to this to the books and i think they did that very well and with that said any last words jumbie don't tell me a story sarah bellows please (laughs) wise words Alright, and that concludes another episode of Phantoms of the Silver Screen. If you liked this episode, please check out any other content we may have provided. I nailed it. I finally fucking nailed mm-hmm. it. <laughs> um, and also give us a like, subscribe, follow, or anything else that shows us that you care and that you love us because you know what? We love you too, and we will always love you and appreciate you. And we bid you adieu. Goodbye.